I talked about this freedom that we just saw us flash across our screens, the freedom that we have in Christ, uh, that uh, this Independence Day, every Independence Day should be a reminder of the independence that we've been given because Jesus has set us free. Now, we're going to get into that in just a second, but can we pause just for a second as Americans to reflect on the freedoms that we've been given as a country? Anybody here proud to be an American? Yeah, I know that'll get a, yeah. <laughs> that'll get a crowd of Americans going, USA, yeah, uh, uh, and rightly so. Uh, I think a lot of times we take for granted what we have. Certainly there are lots of ills in our culture and in our country, uh, things that uh, uh, we would write if we could. But uh, for the most part, we are blessed amongst the countries of the world. Uh, most people are trying to get here. I'm not saying that other countries aren't great as well. Uh, but when I travel, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm aware of just how blessed we are. When I walk through the streets of different countries and sense the oppression that perhaps they experience because of their government or because of their history or because of whatever, uh, I'm grateful to be a part of a democracy, to be part of a, a nation that, um, despite its divisions and ills, uh, continues to thrive amongst the nations. Um, it gives me confidence. Who likes to live in confidence? I like that uh, when it comes to life. I, I prefer confidence over fear or doubt or uh, uh, an unsettledness in my spirit. Uh, being a, a citizen of this country gives me confidence. And I, I, I like that because I'm human. I like to be assured. Anybody here like guarantees, knowing something's going to happen? Uh, we have all kinds of systems by which we can be assured. I was uh, walking off uh, uh, you know, to, from my truck parked back here uh, to the church early, early this morning, five o'clock in the morning, and I, I have this OCD thing. I have this key fob, and I hit the doors lock thing, and I hear the toot. Does anybody got a horn that toots at them when you lock your doors? Yeah. So toot should be enough, right? Not enough for me. Why? Because I'm human. I'm just not sure. Did I really press that button? I totally did, but I walked four steps, and then I hit it again. Toot. If you want a good laugh, come up here on five o'clock on Sunday mornings. You'll watch me walking in the dark just repeatedly hitting that button. Doot, doot, doot. I do it all the way till I get to the door of my office and I do it one last time. Right? Why? I don't know why, OCD, but I, I, do, I do know why. I want to make sure my truck's locked. I don't want you stealing it because I know you will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we do that as humans. We, we seek to assure ourselves in every way possible. Anybody here, uh, the just checking in guy? Anybody here, that person? You know you have plans for a, a coming event, and, 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 and you know you've agreed to those plans, or at least you think you have, and so just checking in. Hey, are we still on for lunch tomorrow morning? Just checking in. Just want to be sure. Now, most of the companies that we do business with online now send confirmation emails. I get a month out an email from my dentist reminding me for my appointment that's coming up. And some of you might be thinking, no, leave me alone. I love that stuff. Thank you for confirming. It's because of my humanity. I want assurance. We like to be sure. And in the uh, scripture that we're going to study this morning, we're going to uh, tackle uh, five or six verses that talk about an assurance that all of us spiritually need. The assurance that we abide in God and that he abides in us. John's writing to a church uh, that uh, he was certainly a part of planting, has history with, uh, has left and gone and done other things 
uh, in the meantime, but uh, uh, has heard that this church is being um, overwhelmed by false teaching. Super easy back in those days. We didn't have a Bible. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all these checks and balances that the church has today. And we still wrestle with false teaching in our age. But uh, in, in that age, in the first century, false teaching uh, was rampant. People would show up and say, hey, I was sent by the, the apostles, by these other churches to let you know this. And then just open up their mouths and say all kind of mess that would lead people astray. So John's been spending most of the first three or four chapters uh, basically confronting those false teachings and reasserting the truth uh, that this church is meant to be built on, that we are meant to be built on. One of these um, um, questions that has been a, a probably coming up in the minds of people is that, hey, they say they're right, we think we're right, but who's right? And who can be sure in this life with Jesus? And so John's going to tackle that. He's going to talk about one of his favorite words. He has this Greek word meno, which means abiding. He's going to talk about us abiding and God abiding, us abiding in him and him abiding in us. He's going to address his reader's need to be assured of their standing with God. We need that too. I don't know if you've had those dark nights of the soul where you wonder if there is a God. Anybody been there? We have that conversation with a friend who's pretty sure there isn't. God, and, and some of his arguments seem to be like, wow, those, those make sense. Where you walk, uh, watch a loved one walk away from the faith, and you wonder, am I wrong? Can I be sure that there is a God, that he loves me, that he sent his son, that in my faith in him, I'm secure? That, that's the other thing that we wonder. Have I done something, sinned in such a way that my salvation or my, my relationship with God is no longer there? John wants to address those today for us. He wants us to be assured that when we put our faith in Christ, we abide in him and he abides in us. And so he's going to give us four things. I got motions today. Eh, Independence Day bonus. All right. Uh, four things today. The first thing he's going to tell us is that, everybody make a dove with your hands. Here we go. That the spirit assures us. You can make the dove go up to heaven if you want. Have fun. It's also, is that, is that Napoleon Dynamite? I think this is Napoleon Dynamite. But the first one is this, the Spirit assures us. Everybody say that. The Spirit assures us. The second one is this, put your hand on the Bible, put your hand up in the air like you're in court. The witnesses assure us. Say that. The witnesses assure us. Third thing is this, uh, 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 take a, a, your finger and make check marks in the air, okay? And say this when you say it, the gospel assures us. Say that. The gospel assures us. And the fourth thing is this. Living in God's love assures us. Hug yourself and say, living in God's love assures us. All right, one more time. What's the first one? The spirit assures us, right? The witnesses assure us. The gospel assures us. And living in God's love assures us. That's all I'm going to talk about. If you want to check out right now online or leave, you can <laughs> say, you got it. I got it. You just said it at the front. Let's walk through these verses. You'll see where I got all of those. First, the Spirit assures us. Verse 13, by this we know that we who are in Christ abide in him and he abides in us. Why? Because he has given us of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is given to those who follow Jesus. And, and the Spirit's presence in our lives assures us that we have been saved, are saved, and will be saved when the end comes. 
A few things that we know about the Spirit's role in our lives. There's a lot to, to cover, but not enough time to, to, to dig deep down into it. But let's cover a few things. First thing is this. The Spirit comes to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ at conversion. At the moment that we give ourselves to Jesus, we receive from him his spirit. Peter said as much as he was preaching one of the first gospel, well, the first gospel message in the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. At the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 37, uh, these people who had just heard Peter preach the gospel, uh, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, it says, and Peter, and the, uh, they asked Peter uh, and the rest of the uh, apostles, brothers, what do we do? In lieu of what you've just told us, What's next? What do we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of those sins. Be baptized or identify or receive from Jesus what he alone gives. Put your faith in him. And it says, you will receive. What's it say? The gift of the Holy Spirit. If you choose faith, if you choose Christ, the Spirit comes to you, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, that you will be saved from your sins and you will receive in total, not in installments, the complete download of the Holy Spirit. He fully bestows the Spirit to us when we receive Christ in faith. And some of you are like, yeah, I knew that. But, but I wonder if you understand the, the importance of the Spirit's presence in your life as a Christian. See, everything that happens between you and God is funneled through and empowered by the Spirit of God that has been given to you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody grab your cell phone for a second. Don't look at it. Some of you already are because you're like trying to free the cells or whatever else you're doing. But uh, everybody hold up your cell phone for me. Everybody got it? Who's pretty dependent on this thing? Anybody pretty dependent on this thing? Like you could live without it, but you know when you don't have it. You, know, you can put them down, by the way. But you know when you don't have this, Right? Because we've all become, as a culture, um, pretty obsessed with these things. We hand them to our kids so they'll be quiet. <laughs> See that in restaurants all the time now. Eleanor and I were having Tex-Mex the other night, and some two-year-old was dangling off his mother's hip and looking at his phone. I was like, wow, starting early. But there's way more, way more in these for us that we take advantage of. And without them, we wouldn't have, right? Remember the days when you used to have to have, like, arguments about some fact, and you would just leave them not knowing? Now you can just say, like, Siri, who's the president of the United States? She's not, she's not awake. Anyway, all right. Uh, but Siri will tell you. Your phone will tell you. And if you don't know, welcome. Anyway, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you used to have to buy, like, TomToms and other GPS nav, uh, you know, navigation systems for your, for your cars and stuff. Those are obsolete now because it's all right here. So you can get all the information that the world has to offer you. You can get all the directions that you need in life. Can everybody see where I'm going? The Holy Spirit is not like, but is like, our cell phones. Everything that we need for life from Christ and in Christ is given to us by this thing that's been given to us. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the helper. That's what the Greek word uh, for Holy Spirit is. He's, he's, he's the one who come alongside. He's our guide. He's, he's the revealer of God. He's our information about life and about God and the things that he hopes for us. He, he's a, uh, we, we also use these to communicate. Anybody texting anybody right now? I told you to get your phone out. You're like, oh, yeah. And you started texting someone as soon as I said that? Or you said, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, 
We, we use these to communicate. I prefer text, but I'll use it as a phone too. That's what I guess it is. But did you know that the Holy Spirit enables your communication and my communication with the one true God? Like he hears us, but we pray in the Spirit. God speaks to us through his Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us at conversion and enables our entire life with God. But he's not just our helper. He's not just this enabler. He's the one who constantly affirms and assures us of our life with Christ. Look at what Romans 8.16 tells us. Paul's writing there to the church in Rome, and he says this. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You want to know how you're a child of God? In the next verse, a, a joint heir with Jesus. You want to know how you know that? The Spirit tells you so. The Spirit affirms, bears witness to our place in the family of God. We sing songs about it, right? Now, for the last few years, we've been singing about being children of God. And the refrain of that one song um, goes like this. I am chosen, not forsaken. And then we say this when we sing. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me, the song goes. I am who you say I am. It's a song that affirms the Spirit's confirmation of my being adopted into the family of God. How exactly does the Spirit assure us? At least two ways. First of all, he assures us through his notes. Anybody here, the, the husband or the, 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 the child of, of some wife or mother who would write notes for you when they packed your lunch growing up or will, will send notes to you of affirmation of your relationship with them? I got a few of those, uh, you know, going on trips and stuff like that. Uh, uh, maybe in my first mission trip, I remember my mom wrote me a note uh, that just said, hey, uh, so proud of you for taking this step of faith and doing these things. Now, the Holy Spirit has uh, inspired human authors to, to write down the message that we have in our Bibles. And in that message, those 40 some authors in those 66 books, we have this affirmation over and over again of who we are in Christ. In Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, in him, Jesus, you also have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. And you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire the possession of it to the praise of the glory of God. To the Bible is the say-so in our understanding of who we are in Christ. If we have received Christ, the Bible says, you've been sealed in the Spirit, guaranteed your place. You can be sure. You may remember uh, uh, as you were growing up being uh, given over to the care of a babysitter for the night, right? Anybody here try to get one over on the babysitter? Ah, oh, they let us stay up until morning. We, we can stay up all night. Oh, no, we can eat all of the chips, like right now. Anybody ever do something like this? No, we can run in traffic. It's totally fine. And the sitter, knowing that those things aren't true, would oftentimes just deflect this. But when it came down to like she wasn't sure, uh, my mom had always left a note. Here's the rules. Don't let <laughs> something in like bolds. Don't let them fool you. Something like that, right? Here's the rules. Bed by this time. Brush your teeth, all the things, and in bullet form. She, our babysitter would just sit there and be like, this is the say-so. I know you think this, and you want this, and you hope this, 
But here's what's going down. Thus says mom. Flip the note around. We couldn't even read. Oh, okay, whatever. But these, these are the things that we have in our word, in our scriptures. The say-so from God himself, from his spirit. We are guaranteed an inheritance. The, the truth of the Spirit unlocks this insurance, assurance for us. Why it's so important you read your Bibles. You, you get to unlock a lot of the things that would otherwise bring doubt and fear to your life. You get to be like, oh, this is what I have. These are the promises I've been given. I was uh, hanging out with my father-in-law. He just moved into our house uh, on a permanent basis, and he had all of his stuff come in his boxes that we uh, unloaded last weekend. Um, his iPad was in there. Eleanor and I bought him an iPad a few years ago, uh, and he loves it and just plays it all the time. But um, as some uh, old and young uh, people have, uh, you know, want, uh, he's not super savvy with the tech, and so he'd forgotten his I, uh, uh, Apple ID. Does everybody understand Apple products? If you don't have your Apple idea, ID, you don't have an Apple product. You can't get into anything. Everything is required for that. And so uh, a few weeks back, he had called me and said, hey, I don't know how to get into this. And I was like, Dad, I don't, like I'm the IT department now. I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't know how to get, you know, you're in Kentucky. I'm here in Florida. Let's just wait till you get here. So he got here, and uh, we found his iPad in one of the boxes. And sure enough, there it came up, the message that you know, says, if you want to use this iPad, in so many words, <laughs> what's your Apple ID, right? And of course, my dad had written it down somewhere and forgotten it, didn't know it. And so uh, Eleanor was asking me, hey, how, how do we get around this? And I remembered when we were setting up his iPad, I'm like, he's probably going to forget this. And so I had written it in my phone. And I went back five, six years ago when we bought him this iPad, and sure enough, there in my notes in my phone, my dad's... Uh, you know, email and his Apple ID, and we punched that in. Bada boom, bada bang. He was playing solitaire in moments, right? <laughs> Which is all he really wants that thing for. But uh, he was so happy. I had the information that unlocked what he uh, desired to, to use in life. And, and if you're, you're kind of new to the, to the whole Jesus thing and, and the Bible, Listen, in there, you might need some help understanding what's going on and what's being said, but in there are the, the, the keys, the passwords that unlock life. And one of the, the passwords that we've been given by God's Spirit in his word is that we are sure in our faith, sealed by him in his spirit. He not only assures us through his notes, his word, but he assures us through the changes that he brings about in our lives. And we are all in process of becoming more like Jesus. The Spirit helps us with that. And when we see the evidence of those things happening in us, when we truly exhibit the character of Jesus instead of what we were before him, that's the Spirit working in us. It's a sign of his presence in us and his, and his prevailing presence in us. He's overcoming us. Now, we read this a, a few weeks ago in, in the chapter previous, in 1 John chapter 3, 24, it says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. Makes sense. If you want to be with God, do what he says, right? And God abides in him. But then he goes on and he says this, and by this we know that he, God, abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. Now, it's tricky language. It's, it's Greek and it's tricky and it's a weird sentence. What he's basically doing there is he's setting up a correlation, our dependence on the Spirit, the, the presence of the Spirit in us leads us to obey God's commands. Ergo, we are in God and he is in us. The Spirit's presence influences our behaviors and assures us that we're in God and he is in us. 
I love that. It's as I figure out things and do things that I wouldn't naturally do. Has anybody ever caught yourself doing something like, this isn't me? How is this happening right now that I'm being so kind in this situation? My normal setting in this is bite back, fight back, sarcasm, make things worse. Anybody good at that? But all of a sudden, something happens in us, and in these moments that have typically been done this way, we're bringing love and peace and calm. And we walk away from those situations. Have you ever walked away from a situation and been just like, who was that? Well, if it wasn't you, it was the Holy Spirit showing up in you, and that should be an assurance of his presence in you. When you change from who you were to who he is, it's an assurance that he is in you and you are in him. Have you ever been convicted by something that you're doing that you've never been convicted of before? Anybody ever been there? Why is it this easy anymore? It's been so easy to cheat on my taxes all these years. And all of a sudden, I can't push enter on that line. Well, it's because you know it's wrong, and the Holy Spirit in you is convicting you. He doesn't condemn us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody say amen to that? All right. But he convicts us and he says, hey, bozo, don't hit enter. That's wrong. And you sit there and he's like, why can't I do what I used to do? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit prevailing in you and proving that you are in Christ. Now, some of you might be saying, I haven't felt any of those things. i got some questions. Because you might have said some words but not truly surrendered your heart. The presence of the Spirit shows up in the fruit of our lives. So the Spirit assures us. But it's not just the Spirit. John goes on. The witnesses assure us. Verse 14, he says, And we, who's he speaking of? We'll get to that in a second. Have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We. Who's, who's we? John and the mouse in his pocket. No, he's, he's referring to himself and the other apostles. There's uh, 14 of them that exist somewhere around. Many of them have died by the time John writes this, but uh, there were the 11 after Jude was gone. There was Matthias, who was also an apostle, a Jude's replacement. There was Paul, right? And in Galatians, it tells us that James, the brother of Jesus, was an apostle of God. So there's 14 at least that we know of who had seen God, been around God, and were eyewitness uh, testifiers uh, to the Son of God, I said God, the Son of God and what he did here on this earth. John's saying to his friends in this letter, you guys know me, so trust me when I say that Jesus is from God and that everything he, he claimed and continues to claim is true. Why? Because I was there. I saw him die and raise from the grave. You may not have, we haven't, but I did. Trust me when I say that Jesus is who he says he is. Does anybody do that in life? Anybody trust somebody when they say, I've done this and so you should too? I've done this so you can believe this too? We do it all the time. It's called Yelp. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we go to all these review sites and say, who likes this restaurant? Tons of strangers like it, it must be good. Who likes this movie? All the tomatoes are in the right direction, it must be good. We rely on other people who've gone before us all the time. Who's ever been in the woods and 
Someone has like basically walked across this little board bridge on a creek and, uh, and, and has made it over there, and you're there, twice their size, and you're like, I don't know, bro. And he's like, ah, trust me. It held me, it'll hold you. It happens all the time. It's, it's in great part how we function in life. We trust the witnesses who've gone before us. Peter wrote it this way as he was writing his second letter. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were, we the apostles, were the eyewitnesses of his majesty. Trust me when I say, John says in his letter, Jesus is real. And because you put your faith in him, which is the next point he's going to make, you are assured of life evermore. Can I do a quick sermon sidebar? I haven't done one of these for a while. The swaying of souls in the world that we live in often comes down to the witnesses that they choose to follow. This is why it's so important that you and I not just profess on our Facebook or in our church attendance that we're with Jesus. That's why it's so important that you and I live for Jesus in the world that we live in. Why? Because we may be the only Jesus that some people ever see. We may be the one witness that they look to and say, you know what, I'm going to give God and Jesus and this whole thing that I've never given a try, a try, because Shane shows me that there's something real about this. Because Greg has lived a life that's different. And because of their witness, I'm going to look further into the things that they live for. It's a little sermon sidebar. How are you living? Because you may be the witness that someone's looking at. But John says, hey, I'm your witness. Trust me. I saw Jesus. The Spirit assures us. The witnesses assure us. The gospel assures us. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, here it is in plain, easy to understand Greek English. Huh. God abides in him and he in God. What's the assurance that he gives us here? Hey, if you've trusted the gospel, truly trusted, not just said some words, but if you've truly repented of your sin, admitted that you need a savior, trusted that Jesus is the only savior, all the solas, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, if you've truly engaged with God's son and put your faith in him, checked all those boxes as required uh, from the scriptures. If you've done those things in your heart, it's, it's a done deal. It's sealed. It's finished. The gospel is our assurance. Anybody ever gone grocery shopping with a list? Eleanor will write me a list. Now it's usually coming in the, in the phone uh, that I have. But I'll, I'll have this list of things. She's so nice. She writes it in order of the store's aisles. Does anybody have a, a list giver like that? Like she knows, I'm going to go up this aisle first, and I'm just going to, and she just has memorized the aisles, and she makes it so easy for me. <laughs> but anybody ever thought you knew the list? I know what I need. Put the pocket, you know, put the whole phone in the pocket, and you just start walking through there, and you end up with seven things not on the list and four things uh, that were on the list aren't in your cart. Anybody been there? I've had those experiences as a younger husband. I've learned uh, that's not how you do this. You follow the list, you put all the stuff in there, and then... What, what happens at the end? You stand in the aisle, you block everybody else and don't even care. But you stand in the aisle and you walk through the list and you look at what's in your buggy, right? Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Oh, bananas. Mm, and off we go. And then you come back again. 
Walk through the list. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Everything's there. Pay for it, put it in your truck, and drive home in peace. Why? Check. Double check. I know that I've done and gotten what's required of me. And so I can walk home, drive home, and walk into my house confident, assured that it's there. It's, some of you are like, is it simple as that? It really is. Now, again, I say that some people, like uh, that tells us uh, in Jesus' teaching that there's sheep and goats. There's some people who look the part and aren't the part. And, and I, I don't have a wand like they have, you know, at, uh, you know the, uh, the airport screening that can say you're a Christian and you're not, and you are and you're not, and you're definitely not. I'm not I don't have any of that, right? <laughs> but here's what I do have. I have the affirmation of God's word saying that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, here's the assurance. God abides in him, and he abides in God. That's the, when I finish sharing the gospel with someone who is brand new to the faith, they're like, that's it? Has anyone ever had that? You're like, I, I just shared the gospel with them, and they prayed to receive Christ, and they open their eyes, and they're like, oh, that's awesome. I feel great. But then they'll ask, is that, is that it? And I'm like, well, no, there's certainly the life that comes after. There's salvation that leads to sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit changing you into who Jesus is from who you were without him. There's all kinds of stuff that comes. But what they're really asking, is that all I have to do to be assured of a place in God and in his kingdom? And the overwhelming answer is yes, because to do anything more would be works on top of our faith. And the scripture says no to that. We do what God tells us to do, and we hit our checks, and then we trust that what God has given us in his gospel is enough. Last thing. Uh, the Spirit assures us. The witnesses assure us. The gospel assures us. But he saves the best for last. Above all, living in God's love assures us. So we have come to know, he says. He's speaking of salvation. That's the, uh, the ascent and, and the uh, acceptance of Jesus. And, and we, uh, this is in the, the perfect tense. We are believing or have believed and will continue to believe that the love of God uh, has for us is real. What he's basically saying, all right, so, so here we are, my friends who I'm writing. We all put our faith in Jesus. I was there when you did, a lot of you, and, and we all have this as our confidence. We are all living in Jesus. We, we're believing in him. Relying is how the NIV puts it. We're relying on him in life. It's a constant. We have come to know and, re, and to rely, uh, to believe that the love of God has for us is, is ours. He repeats something that he said. We talked about it last week. God is love. He's, it's not a trait of God. It's not a characteristic of God. God is is love, and whoever abides in love uh, abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, let's talk about love real quick and, and, and its role in our lives. God's love made life, a life of love with him possible. God's love for us made life with him feasible. doesn't happen otherwise. I'm not going to preach this verse, but let me read it. Verse 19 says, we love God and others, verse 19, because he, God, first loved us. Because he made the first move, we saw his love demonstrated in Christ and we responded. That was our salvation. As we grow and as we discover the depths of his love for us and grow more intimate with him, we end up loving him even more. Is anybody growing in their love for their God? I hope so. It's how this is supposed to work. 
Our intimacy with him deepens. Our appreciation of what he's given us grows. And we love him all the more. So on those days where we have questions and doubts, on those dark nights of the soul, we get through them all. Not because we're smart enough, not because we're strong enough, not because we're spiritually mature enough, but because we know that God loves us and we love him. And love conquers those feelings of question and doubt and darkness. His love for us, our love for him, affirms us in our abiding with him. It's kind of like marriage. I got married uh, 30 plus, it'll be 31 years in February. But I got married 30 years ago to an amazing lady who I loved at the time. I hope you loved the person you were standing across from if you're married at that moment. Hope that was part of it. Okay? Sometimes it's not. But I hope for you it was. And I hope that, that love that was at the beginning, I was 22 years old, and I loved Eleanor as a 22-year-old me, right? And I made all these pledges. Anybody remember them? Better for worse, richer for poor, sickness and in health. I made you say them, right? And you made that commitment of love, but it's a, a commitment of faith in love. I trust that my love is going to get me through sickness and poverty and the worst that life can give me. I, I'm, I'm banking on this love. I'm committing to, that this love will get us through those things. But then you live 30 years of marriage. And you go through poor and sick and hard. And you understand that a lot of times in those moments, there's no answer, no, no mind uh, that can conceive or, or, or uh, you know, unlock. There, there's no power in you that can overcome what's happening in the world that you're living in. There's just in those moments, love, the commitment to love, the choice to love that pushes us through those things. You want to know that you are assured in your faith? Check your love gauge. Do you love God? He loves you. That's, that's the great thing. In human relationships, love gauges go up and down on both sides. In our relationship with God, his is spiked. It's never going to wane. It's never going to go low. His love is sure. It's our love that fluctuates and changes. When we love God with a committed love, a love by choice, not by feeling, we're able to make it through all things. We're assured in those, those uh, choices of love that we are with God and he is with us. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, and love never ends. The NIV, like I put it, the Greek word for ends can be translated fails. Love never fails. So your mind for theology may fail you. Your, your strength in your experiences spiritually may fail you. Your your spirit may be attacked. We've talked about that. There's, we just spent a couple weeks ago uh, talking about how there's false spirits. There's, there's antichrist spirits that come into our spiritual selves, our sides, and, and tries to sway us from the truth of God. All of those things. You, you might wrestle with those things, fail in those things, feel doubt in those things. But what overcomes each of those? Our love for God. Verse 17. By this love, uh, or by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he, Jesus, is, so also are we in this world. 
this abiding love that we have, this perfected love, this love made complete with us. It gives us this confidence for the day of judgment, which is one of the keys for assurance. When everything ends, when I die or Jesus comes back, can I know that I know that I know? Yeah. You know how you can tell? Spirit tells you, assures you. The witnesses tell you, the, 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 the gospel affirms and informs your assurance. But above all, your love, you're growing in God's love. You're, you're growing in affection for God and your love for him. All of those things, if the arrows are pointing up, it's proof that you'll be spared on the day of judgment if I had more time. Well, let me uh, speak to the rest of us, uh, or maybe all of us, uh, who are wrestling with fear. Anybody? The headlines got you worried? Okay, that's honest. Uh, maybe something in your life personally, just kind of hammering you. Or maybe a family member you love is kind of just off in la-la land and you can't stop them. Or maybe uh, things aren't as settled as at work as you'd like and your financial future is in question. And all of you know, these things, whatever they are, they come into life and, and they lead us into anxiety, into fear. And I want to just give you one more affirmation about the love that God has for us and the love that we should have and should be growing in for him. It, it says this in verse 18, uh, of 1 John chapter 4. It says, there is no, read it with me. We'll just close with this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There's no fear in love. You, you want a reason to grow in your love for God and, and, and to have your, your face turned towards his love for you? Because where love exists, fear can't. Where, where love prevails, doubt and anxiety will not. Because here's what we say. When we love God and, and, and we know that he loves us, it gives us a security that supersedes our circumstances. I don't know how this is going to work out, but here's what I do know. God's got it. I, I don't know when this kid's going to turn around and start following Jesus again, but God does. And I've got him, and he's got me, and I love him, and he loves me, and he loves that kid. And so I'll trust and not fear because God has got it. That's what love can do for us. Not just affirm us and assure us in our own faith, but it can lead us in life out of the fears and anxieties that are just awaiting us, right? Around every turn. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't understand how this is going to happen. God does. I love him. He loves me. We're good. Full stop. And that's where I'll stop. Can you stand and join me today as I pray? By God's grace, we've been given an opportunity to have assurance in life. Do you have it? Are you someone here this morning? who doesn't even know Jesus, you've never put your faith in him and gone through the gospel and checked off the things that he's asked us to do. If that's you, I'd love to talk to you this morning. I'll post up right over here and lead you to a life with God through Jesus and your faith in him. But I know many of you sit here today, you've got that faith. Are you sure in life with Jesus? 
Are you assured that when the day of judgment comes, you'll be with them? I, 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 you can be sure. The spirit, the witnesses, the gospel, his love, they all attest to your inheritance with him. But are you sure moment to moment in life in the things that bring fear and anxiety? You can be. Let his love trump your fear. Let me pray that over us today. God, your grace is sufficient. Thanks for it. Thanks for uh, uh, giving us life with you through your son, Jesus. When we receive him, thanks for uh, investing in us your spirit so that we can know where to go in life and, and change. Thanks for the signs that those are to us, that you're uh, abiding in us and we're abiding in you. Help us to, uh, to trust you, God, in life, to trust that we've done what we've needed to do and, and that you've got us. Help us to grow in our love for you so that uh, in, in a perfected love, in a, in a more complete love, uh, we can overcome the fears that life brings. Uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, we want to love you more. Lead us in that. Uh, give us a great day off tomorrow if that's what's happening for us. If we're going to work, I pray for a good day at work too. <laughs> uh, but Lord, uh, even as we celebrate uh, the joys and the, and the freedoms that we have, um, help us to be assured of the joys and the freedom that we have in you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.